Welcome to NoSpinHomilies.com. I invite you to join me to reflect upon the homilies of Father Dan. Father Dan will challenge us to open our heart, mind, and soul to the Word of God. Father Dan will draw upon sacred scripture along with art, literature, and the lives of the saints to help us grow in our love and knowledge of the scripture. In doing so, we can become the living Word of God in this world. Now it is my pleasure to present to you No Spin Homilies. This weekend's readings speak to us about the power of prayer. And why not? Today, our church celebrates the great feast of Divine Mercy Sunday. Divine Mercy Sunday was based upon the apparitions of Jesus Christ that came to Sister Faustina. Sister Faustina lived in Krakow, Poland, and during the 1930s, she began to receive apparitions of Jesus Christ. And she received these apparitions for many years. But the important thing is that they only came to her when she prayed. And that's critical. When Jesus appeared to Sister Faustina, he always spoke to her about God's overwhelming mercy that he has for each and every one of us in this world. And we can receive it if we just reach out and ask for it. After a while, Jesus commissioned Sister Faustina to tell the world, to evangelize the world about how great God's mercy is for each and every one of us. In one apparition, Jesus appeared in a glorious way. He told Sister Faustina to replicate this image in a painting. In the image was the resurrected Christ wearing a dazzling white alb, and from his heart emanated two rays, one white and one red, to symbolize God's mercy and love that he has for each and every one of us in this world. And then Jesus commissioned Sister Faustina to spread that image around the world, making it known around the world how overwhelming God's mercy is for each and every one of us. John Paul II instituted this feast in 2001, and he intentionally made sure that this feast fell on the second Sunday of Easter, John Paul II said that the only way that we can come to begin to fathom and understand how overwhelming God's mercy is for us is through the lens of Jesus' passion, death, and resurrection. And yet, it was only through prayer that Sister Faustina received these apparitions. And so that tells us right away, prayer is vital to the spiritual life. It reminds me of a story of a woman who have a, had a very devout prayer life. She was Catholic, and she belonged to a very rural parish. And every afternoon, she went to that parish, and she prayed the rosary all by herself. Well, one summer day, the air conditioning in the church, for some reason, stopped working. And so the pastor called a repairman. Well, when the repairman arrived at the church, he saw the woman praying, and he didn't want to disturb her. So he quietly went about the church looking for the problems in the air conditioning. Well, he climbed through the ducts, and he finally found himself on the ceiling, right above, directly above this woman. And he was looking through a screen of the duct at her. He was a Baptist, and he thought he would have a little fun with her. And so as she was praying the rosary, he said, This is God. Your prayers are answered. 
Well, the woman didn't budge at all. In fact, she continued to pray the rosary. So he thought to himself, well, maybe she didn't hear me. So in a louder voice, he said, this is God. Your prayers are answered. Still, the woman didn't budge, didn't flinch an inch. She kept praying her rosary. So then he thought, well, maybe she's got a hearing impairment. And so at the top of his lungs, he screamed out, this is God. Your prayers are answered. Well, the woman immediately stopped praying the rosary. She turned. She didn't look up. She just turned and she said, I know that, but I'm speaking to your mother now. Well, it's a cute little story about the importance of prayer in our life. Now, with that in mind, go into the gospel. Here we have Jesus appearing to his apostles after the resurrection. What were the apostles doing prior to Jesus' appearance? They were praying. Prayer is the proper disposition to receive God. The apostles were praying. Jesus appears to them, and it says the apostles rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Well, we do the same thing ourselves. Every time we gather for Mass, we, as a congregation, pray together. Our church teaches us that the highest prayer form of our church is Mass. It's the highest prayer. And every time we gather for Mass, we, like the Apostles and Sister Faustina, we are at prayer when we're at Mass. And therefore, we are properly disposed to receive the risen Lord. And we do. First in the scripture readings that we hear at Mass. And then after the consecration, we gaze at the altar and we see and believe in the true presence of Jesus Christ in his body and blood. Now, Thomas, his lack of belief. Why is that? Well, I think location has a lot to do with it. When Jesus first appears to his apostles, Thomas is not with the apostles. And remember, the apostles make up the church. So Thomas is not in the church. Better yet, Thomas is not praying like the apostles. Therefore, he's not properly disposed to receive the risen Christ. More to it, Thomas has that empirical attitude. The attitude of, unless I see it, study it, I won't believe it. It's an attitude that is absent of faith. More to it, it's an attitude that I will accept and I will believe according to my terms. Well, faith doesn't work that way. In fact, God doesn't work that way. And so it begs the question, is this empirical attitude bad? Well, no, not when it's applied to science and technology and math. I'll give you a great example of this. Just look at our phones. 30, maybe 40 years ago, our phones were all landline phones. We had to go into a fixed structure, either a building or a phone booth, in order to make a call. But now, 30, 40 years later, our phones can be held within the palm of our hand. We can make a phone call anywhere we want, in a car, in the woods. Not only can we talk to people, but we can access the internet, we can take pictures, we can text, all because of that empirical attitude. That's good. But we can't apply that to the spiritual life. We can't say, I need to see, study, and research God before I believe. Well, God doesn't work that way. Thomas Aquinas once said, Faith is a belief in something that is beyond reason. Well, what is beyond reason? Our God that climbs upon a cross, dies an excruciating death, three days later rises from the tomb, 
for the express purpose to save us because he's motivated by love for each and every one of us. What's required? Hope and trust. Now look at the second part of the story. Thomas is now with the apostles. He's in the church and he's praying with the apostles, which means what? He's properly disposed to receive the risen Christ. And what happens? Jesus appears in their midst. Now what's important here is how Jesus treats Thomas. Now, Thomas has been with Jesus, along with the other apostles, for three years. Thomas has eaten with Jesus, he's walked with Jesus, traveled with him, he's listened to him, he's watched his miracles. If there's any person that should believe in Jesus and his miracles, especially the resurrection, it should be Thomas. But he doesn't. Now, is Jesus angry? No. Is he frustrated? Not at all. Rather, Jesus meets Thomas at his level of faith. He comes to Thomas's level of faith to do what? Raise him up and strengthen that faith. Friends, Jesus does the same thing for each and every one of us. We are all on different levels of faith, and that's okay. But nonetheless, Jesus comes at our level of faith when we are properly disposed to receive him, when we are at prayer. He comes to our level for the express purpose of raising us up to strengthen our faith. And see, that's precisely what's happening with Thomas. Notice how the gospel begins with Thomas doubting the resurrected Christ. Notice how it ends with Thomas now making probably the greatest statement of faith in the entire Bible when he says, my Lord and my God. One last thing. Many people can identify with Thomas. You know, many people have doubts, doubts in their life, doubts in their faith. You know, we look a couple weeks ago and we see in Sri Lanka a church full of people worshiping God blown up because of evil. And we say to ourselves, you know, where is God in all that? Or maybe we have an unexpected diagnosis. And we say, where is God in this? The first thing and the most important for us, when those questions rise, is we have to remain in the church. Don't leave it. And more importantly, we must continue to pray. Don't stop. And I think that's the great lesson for the scripture readings for this weekend. Every time we come to Mass, we, like the apostles and Sister Faustina, we pray. And now we have the proper disposition to receive the risen Lord in our life. And we do. We believe and we feel his presence. And just like St. Thomas, after the consecration, we look upon the altar and we say to ourselves, my Lord and my God. And yet, where does it all start? In the church. By doing what? With prayer. The proper disposition to receive the risen Lord. And may the grace and the peace of Jesus Christ rest upon you always.